the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. just heard the uh, weather and uh, doesn't look uh, dry for the next few days so going to be rain in the area not as much as we had Tuesday night going into uh, uh, this morning or Monday night going into Tuesday morning in fact it was really pouring down rain when I got up yesterday today not so much uh, you can still feel the humidity in the air and uh, that's a typical uh, Arkansas thing for the uh, uh, the summer. I saw that uh, they came out uh, with the uh, three-month forecast for uh, summertime, June, July, and August from the Farmer's Almanac, calling for uh, hotter-than-normal temperatures, and we're kind of on the edge of the thing about how much rain. They're, they're saying they, they're not exactly sure whether we're going to get more or get uh, normal, but uh, right now we've been getting more. I don't know if you know that in some areas of the state they've gotten 200 times more rain than they normally do uh, thus far this year. So uh, when uh, some of this COVID-19 nonsense goes away and people can get back out on the on the buffalo, sounds like floating the buffalo will be an easy thing to do. That uh, it will be uh, you know have some have some water in it and let you get out and, and have some fun in a canoe or a kayak or whatever you, uh, you want to do without having to bump your rump on, uh, you know, the, the rocks as you go down to Buffalo. I've been on the Buffalo before when the water was so low that, you know, you're scraping the bottom. And uh, that, to me, made for a long day, not a fun day. Today is going to be a big day. In fact, a, a watershed day in the U.S. Uh, space program. In fact, it's really not the United States space program. It's the U.S. business space program that really is going to ignite itself up today. I mean, there's been a lot going on uh, with SpaceX and others. I mean, uh, this is Elon Musk's Musk, uh, show today. Uh, he has been working with uh, SpaceX for many years now, over a decade, I believe. And today they're going to fire up a, uh, a Dragon capsule atop a Falcon 9 rocket right from Cape Canaveral. In fact, they're taking off from the exa- exact same la- launch pad uh, that Apollo took off when they went to the moon. Uh this is all going to happen our time at about 3.33, weather permitting. Weather's been kind of a little dicey there, 
but you know as well as I do, uh, you who have gone through this a lot as far as the space program is concerned, especially with Apollo and Mercury and Gemini and, and all the rest of the beginning of the space program and the space shuttle, that you don't need much of a big window to be able to get one of those uh, rockets into space. Uh, they travel at a high rate of speed. They get a little bit of blue sky. They get, uh, you know, 10 minutes, and that's about all they need, and they can get somebody up into, uh, up into space, uh, you know, post-haste. But this is a big, big day. Uh, let's not forget, uh, you know, Tesla and Elon Musk, uh, Musk uh, they, they put together this, and they founded it in 2002. Eighteen years later now, uh, they are getting ready to launch individuals into outer space. So if this launch succeeds today, now if there's bad weather, the launch will be pushed back to Saturday. It's going to be this uh, company's crowning achievement. Uh, Musk hope is, uh, of course, to enable the colonization of Mars. That's how he's looking ahead. And um, he believes that getting man back on the moon is the, uh, the first major step of doing that, being able to launch from the moon from Mars uh, because of uh, less gravity, getting a uh, you know, colonization on the moon going. Uh, is important, but this is the first important big baby step. Uh, going to put a couple of astronauts uh, up there and take them to the International Space Station. Uh, and we've been uh, letting other people do this. We've been letting the Russians do it uh, for years now. We've spent billions uh, upon billions of dollars. Uh, I think it's uh, three point. I got it right here. $3.5 billion for 52 rides since 2011. Now that will go down significantly using an American company. And uh, also, this will be an injection, I believe, of pride in America again, uh, knowing that we can do this and our, our companies can do this. Uh, we've now got uh, NASA's not just the only boy on the block. Uh, you know, during the Apollo space uh, race that we had with uh, the Russians, uh, seven of every $1,000 spent by our country was spent on space. There's a lot of people who say that wasn't what we got out of it wasn't worth it. I disagree. The technology alone uh, that we you know, we're able to get out of the space program was worth it. Uh, I believe that the American taxpayer should have gotten more out of it in that, uh, you know, all the different things that uh, NASA developed in their techno- uh, technologies and things of that nature should have been sold to the, to the American business community. Uh, you know, they should have patented those things. But instead, uh, there was just uh, offer to American business, and they went from there. I guess you could say Americans got, you know, you got your money's worth when you think about you got the microwave oven out of it, and you got a lot of other things come out of it uh, in the space program in the 60s and the, 
in the 70s. Uh, it's been over a half a century since uh, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin went to the moon. Uh, in part, that was all about beating the Soviet Union in the space race. Uh, at the height of the Cold War, competition with the USSR provided an organizing principle for U.S. efforts in space, and it gave a remarkable amount of government resources to bear on that effort. Like I told you, uh, at the peak of uh, the space race in the mid-1960s, seven out of every $1,000 of national income was spent by NASA. Then we beat the Soviet Union, and, uh, you know, we were so focused on getting to the moon that people really weren't thinking beyond the moon. They didn't think about what are we going to do after we go to the moon. And, of course, uh, the space shuttle program uh, came into being, uh, and then it uh, finally died out here just a few years ago. So now the SpaceX launch is going to you know, mark kind of a rebirth as far as going back into space and getting the United States doing it again. This will be the first time that we, as a country, have launched astronauts back into space in over a decade. It's been that long. That that just is, with all of what we did to be able to do that, uh, it it amazes me that uh, it's been that long since we've been up there as well. Now we've got a new space exploration relationship between government and uh, private business now, the private sector. Uh, it's my hope. As far as I'm concerned, that somewhere along the line, it will become much more private and a whole lot less governmentally driven. Because when businesses do these things, uh, the amount of money that they spend will be significantly less. They will be more efficient than what the government is, where maybe you have four or five people uh, in in different positions uh, in NASA, you may only have two. You may only have one uh, in somewhere in, like SpaceX. You don't need all the duplicity that uh, the government tends to bring to different programs. In fact, the Presidential Commission said that business should play a larger role than it ever had. Um, and uh, looking at the commission that was put together uh I think by President Bush. In NASA decisions, the preferred choice for operational activities must be competitively awarded contracts with private and nonprofit organizations. Uh, they also defined a more limited role for the U.S. Space Agency, saying that NASA's role must be limited to only those areas where there is irrefutable demonstration that only government can perform the proposed activity. And to be honest with you, there's not much there that I can think of uh, unless we're looking at, you know, different means of having the money uh, to perhaps put behind programs 
to come up with new forms of uh, thrust, new forms of engines, things of that nature. I mean, uh, you know, those, those movies you've watched for years of uh, Star Trek, uh, a lot of that is science fiction, but they want to bring a lot of that into science fact. I mean, the transporter and all that, they're working on that stuff now. They're working on being able to, you know, scramble your atoms and move them to another place and then uh, re-put them back together again, uh, you know, for quick uh, transportation of things that people need. So with the range for much space activity handed over to commercial interests now, the past decade has seen an explosion of investment in a profusion of companies. You got uh, Matthew uh, Winsenier wrote a, a, a document about the rise of space access companies, uh, sending people and payload, uh, payloads into space, more payloads than people, remote sensing companies, uh, providing images of the Earth, habitats, and space station companies, providing future facilities for tourism, research, and manufacturing. And, uh, you know, I haven't heard anything lately, uh, but, uh, you know, um, Virgin uh, was supposed to be sending up uh, uh, a rocket here this year uh, that people could ride on and uh, experience you know, weightlessness and, uh, and outer space for themselves. Now, it's not for the cheap at heart. Uh, unless you got some money, don't, don't, don't think you're going to be going anytime soon. But, uh, you know, SpaceX and, and uh, what you got with Virgin and what, uh, what you got with Amazon, those are the three big players right now. And they have spent billions upon billions of dollars about all of this. Uh, it's been reported that investment in startup space sector firms increased roughly $2.5 billion per year in 2015. In 2016, uh, it, it went from uh, less than $500 million a year during the 2000s to suddenly $2.5 billion. They made the initial breakthroughs in technology to be able to do this with private sector companies. And once that happened, then the money started pouring in. People could see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. I'll talk more about this because it is a big day. This is, this is exciting to me. I'll be sitting right in front of the TV today uh, at about, uh, well, I'll start watching about 3 o'clock and seeing what's going on there at Cape Canaveral. It'll take me back to being a kid again. I remember sitting in front of the TV uh, I got to stay home from school to watch uh, Alan Shepard go up uh, and be the first man from the United States in space and how big that was and how long it took to have it happen. Man, they had so many big things go wrong the first time out. And then uh, they finally, you know, Shepard finally said, let's get this, you know, show under the road. And, uh, and one, go to one of the great stories out of the right stuff uh, by... Uh, uh, that, that great book that came out is he had to go to the bathroom and ended up, you know, peeing inside his space outfit and set off all the sensors and scared NASA completely uh, crazy. If you really want to see a great movie about that, watch the right stuff. 
uh, Thomas Wolfe's book that they made into a movie. Number one, how competitive those Air Force and Army and Navy guys were with each other about being the first to do certain things in outer space and the danger, the real danger uh, that those guys took on to go into outer space. I mean, these two guys that are on the rocket today, I'm just telling you, you know, it ain't 100% that nothing's not going to go wrong. I'll share some different thoughts with you as this morning goes on because I've been kind of close to the space program from time to time. One of my uh, favorite interviews was Gordon Fullerton and Ellison Onizuka. Uh, they were part of the space shuttle uh, you know, uh, program and talking to them when I was on Guam because I used to come out to the Mau Mau Tracking Station because it was the last place uh, that the uh, shuttle would talk to uh, on Earth before they landed. Now, with the communications the way they are, they don't use it anymore, and it's not there anymore. Uh, but I had a conversation with them, and it was very, very interesting about what they had to say uh, about, you know, getting in the space shuttle and, and, and going up into uh, space. I got to get a break in. Heidi's pleading with me. She's actually saying, break, please. Normally, it's just break. She's telling me, break, please. And so, Heidi, for you, I'll take the break right now. 623, we'll be back with more, and we'll talk more about space. Uh, the phone number here is 823-0965, 823-0965. If you want to call in and talk about this, do you get excited about this? I'm, I'm, this excites me. It probably excites me even more because of all this COVID-19 nonsense that's going on. I, I read some statements yesterday on Facebook that just amazed me. People saying, I think that we just chucked 2020 into the history books and uh, just know this is what 2020 is going to be like, uh, being at home the rest of the time. And then when we get to 2021, we can start seeing what the new normal is. Are you crazy? Are you really that crazy? I'm sorry. I, I, if I were married to one of you, I'd look at you and say the exact thing. Are you crazy? You can't stay in your house for the rest of this year. It's nuts. All right, let's take a break. So Dave Ellswick Show, 24 after 6 on a Wednesday. It's hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We are closer to Friday than we were on Monday. Traffic and weather, here it is for you right now on the Dave Ellswick Show. So let, let's talk. I, I got a little bit of time left here to talk a little bit more about this whole thing about space and about uh, private companies getting into this. There's some really uh, interesting things going on because people invest in things that they think will uh, return a profit. And that is uh, something that Musk and Bezos and Boeing and others who have been involved in this have been dangling out there. Well, if today goes off without a hitch or Saturday, I mean, if it's, if it's weather-related, nobody's going to be worried about it but they will be if on, if it goes to saturday and then it fails or something like that if musk succeeds today the risk factor is going to go down a few notches for investors and risk is something that they look at when you're being asked to put millions of dollars on, on the line you look at the risk of something being you know successful or failing Competition is back. 
uh, today with what's happening. Let, let's, let's remember the history of this. In 2014, it was only six years ago, 2014, NASA awarded contracts both to SpaceX and Boeing. In December, a timing error on its debut flight forced the Boeing Starliner capsule to miss a rendezvous with the International Space Station. Now, Boeing's going to be scrambling to catch up with SpaceX if what SpaceX is trying to do today goes off. And if it definitely goes off without a hitch, look out. Uh, Blue uh, Origin, founded in 2000 by the billionaire chief executive of uh, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, is another notable competitor working to create reusable launch vehicles to lower the cost of space access. Now, as the private sector plays a larger role in space, there's uh, some glaring needs for government to do a few things. And we'll talk about that. When we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Right now, though, we got your your news for you. So let's find out what's happening in the world right now. Now, there's some things that uh, the government's going to have to do to deal with space. And um, I'm spending time talking about space today because this is a, a, a large moment today uh, in, in space, in going to space, in colonization of space. And I know there's a lot of people say, well, why do we want to do that? Well, you know, look, government's going to have to set up some rules, for instance, like space debris. Uh, there's a ton of space debris already up in, uh, up in, in outer space. And you know, you've got to be very careful uh, when you're flying up there that you don't run into something. Uh, there's going to they're going to have to come up with rules for that, and it it won't be rules just for the United States. I mean, China's going into space. Russia, of course, is going into space. Israel has been going into space. Japan has been going into space. The UK is interested in working with France and uh, uh, going to space. I would I would think that we'll see the UK probably get interested in being involved with us uh, in going uh, to outer space and maybe even France. There's a possibility of of that. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Germany as well be involved just because you kind of keep an eye on them there. I know people say, Dave, you're 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 frivolous. You, You haven't forgotten. No, I don't. I haven't forgotten two world wars. I haven't, and Germany is kind of a militaristic uh, uh, culture. You've got to read, read their history, militaristic, and you've got to think that if that's the case, getting them involved with us would probably be better than letting them get involved with somebody else and, and, and uh, maybe letting those tendencies show. But these are things that, you know, public policy in outer space right now is almost non-existent, and there's going to have to be public policy, and that's we're going to have to deal with China about that. We're going to have to deal with Russia on that. Everybody's going to have to deal in in this area and come to some agreement, uh, because the last thing you want to do is run into each other, just like rules on the ocean and things of that nature uh, that were put into place. Uh, space debris, one of the big examples about that. It's going to impose significant. It could. 
impose significant damage to private property, private businesses. So how do we deal with that? What about the private uh, property that's damaged? What does that company, what is their recourse on that? Yeah, so it has to be dealt with. And, uh, you know, you're going to have you got property rights uh, involved and, uh, you know, different countries view property differently. So, it, uh, you know, you go ahead, stand the table, hammer it out uh, with low earth orbit in the hands of the private sector. NASA should feel uh, more pressure to achieve goals more plausibly beyond the reach of commerce right now. For instance, how about going to asteroids, landing on meteors, uh, getting uh, perhaps, uh, you know, different elements that we can't get on Earth? And, you know, who gets what? I mean, are we going to just have a, a, a Wild West type approach to this? You know, and uh, first come, first served. I mean, that's, that's something to think about. Uh, we got to look back on our history and draw from our history. And though going to outer space is different, there are some, you know, glaring similarities uh, with uh, our history uh, that could help us uh, navigate our future. And then uh, the other big deal that's coming, and it's coming. It won't come in my lifetime, I don't believe. I don't believe it's going to come in my lifetime. But I never know what science is going to come up with next. I've always said that. I was just having a, a conversation with Heidi about that. Uh, and I was talking about sitting down with my father and talking with him in the moon when the moon landing happened and uh, back in, in, what, 69 and that would have put him in his uh, mid to late 60s. And uh, he, uh, he was talking about, as a kid, when they, his family had moved in West Virginia uh, to Charleston, uh, West Virginia. They moved from uh, the rural area to Charleston. They did it in a covered wagon drawn by oxen. Think about that for a moment, all right? We're talking about, what, 1920s? Drawn by oxen. And my dad was sitting there, and he just started looking at me. He says, I've been so lucky. I, I've seen the car come into Vogue. She said, I've, I've watched us, uh, you know, the airplane develop. I've seen us go from biplanes to monoplanes, uh, from uh, prop engines to jet engines, from... Hours to go from coast to coast to, you know, you know, just a couple of hours to go coast to coast. He said, uh, and now I'm seeing man walk on the moon. He said, it's incredible. What an incredible country we live in. And uh, by the time of the moon landing, I was 16. And uh, we could have these discussions, and it was, it was great to hear what he said. Now I have this discussion with my grandchildren, and even my children, of remembering watching Alan Shepard on the launch pad, that little thin rocket sitting up in that little tiny capsule. And if you've never gone to the Smithsonian, or you've never gone to the Aerospace Museum, or never been up to Wright Pat to the Aerospace Museum, and you've never seen, uh, or down to Houston, the NASA, and you've never seen 
those early capsules these guys wrote in, you need to do it. Take your kids, take your grandkids, and let them see what these astronauts did at the very beginning. It is unbelievable what they did. When I talked to uh, uh, Gordon Fullerton, who was the commander of one of the space shuttles, and he was there on Guam at Anderson, and uh, I was doing uh, an interview for uh, Far East Networks at that time with him and Ellison Anazuka, who tragically died with Christy McAuliffe in the explosion uh, of the Challenger. Uh, and, and talking to both of them, and I remember asking Gordon Fullerton, who was instrumental in developing the heat shield uh, program uh, for uh, the uh, bringing the uh, uh, space shuttle back to Earth without burning up. And I said, I said, Gordon, I got to ask you this question. I didn't say Gordon. I, I said, Commander, uh, Colonel, uh, let me just ask this. Uh, I said, you're sitting there ready to, to blast off, to be launched into space atop something that is full of liquid nitrogen and built by the lowest bidder. A lot of people don't think about that. This was a government project. They, they, they took the lowest bidder. So what you're sitting on top of is a bomb to take you into outer space built by people who said they could do it the cheapest. And he looked at me and he laughed and he says, I've been asked that question several times. He says, all of us who are astronauts have been involved in this for years and years and years and intricately involved in building the different things that the shuttle uses and made the statement that he didn't worry about that. He got, he got in, strapped in, and got ready for the ride of his life. That's what he always said. It was the ride of my life. And uh, he said, yeah, something can go wrong, but there ain't, you know, somebody's got to ride. And I like to be one of the people who rides. Well, you know, he's one of the people paid with his life uh, doing that. So, you know, here we are, uh, and, and I want to give you a little bit of uh, uh, positive pep talk here. Here you are, sitting at your house. Many of you listening to me on the radio right now. Some of you are going to work, and that's a good thing. I'm glad that you're out and able to go to work. I hope that we get the majority of people back to work over the next few weeks. And uh, But you've been, you've been holed up because of the COVID-19. Well, let this be a bright shaft of light. Just a bright shaft of light. Cutting through that what looks like thick cloud cover over our existence right now. Changing the way that we're living our lives. Some of us afraid uh, that we're going to catch this virus and it's going to kill us even though we've got now new information from the CDC that your chances of dying from COVID-19 is 0.03. It's almost identical to just the regular flu that you are looking at all this negativity around you, the, 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 you know, our economy being palmated, just being beat up by what's going on. The large, uh, you know, uh, deficits and debt that we're incurring 
so that people can live. Let this be a bright shaft of light that we're once again going to lift ourselves into the, uh, up there into outer space, uh, kind of into the known unknown right now, doing it because of capitalism. For all of you who hate capitalism, this is happening because of capitalism. But uh, let's, let's, uh, let's remember that. It's not, so, it's not socialism or communism that's doing it for us. It's capitalism. And uh, we, are, we are going back to outer space. And now this is the next step. This time, uh, the steps after this will be to go back to the moon and to colonize the moon and to figure out how we can make different products on the moon. For instance, ball bearings that are perfectly spherical. There'll be no friction when they're put into a machine. Think about that for a minute. It makes, makes huge, huge difference in machinery that we run today. The chance to go and colonize another planet. The chance of going to a meteorite and, and getting rare minerals that we wouldn't be able to get in any other, uh, any other way. And all along the way, getting better and better and better at this space travel. And those things that you've grown up, many of you have grown up just like me watching as a kid, you know, from watching, uh, you know, Flash Gordon to now Star Trek to Star Wars to everything else. That the time is coming that a lot of those things that you've seen in those movies are going to be reality. Space. Science fiction becoming science fact. That's the stuff that keeps me going. Those kinds of positive things to think about. Let's think about those now as and get our minds off of COVID-19. Know that this is being solved. You're going to be able to go back to your life this year. You're not going to have to wait till next year. I mean, some of you may build a bomb shelter and use it as a COVID-19 shelter. I don't know. But don't miss out on your life because of fear. Fear stops you. Fear paralyzes you. Don't be fearful. You'll miss out on a lot of great things. All right, that's going to wrap it up right now for the Dave Ellswick Show during these segments. We'll come back. We've got to take a break here, and then when I get back, I'll be ready to continue. 7 o'clock, we've got uh, Congressman French Hill in uh, with us. Uh, we got Doyle Webb, uh, the chairman of the Arkansas GOP, coming in at 735, not in, on phone. Talk to him. I mean, the, the president said that we, maybe we're not going to North Carolina for the uh, RNC convention. Talk to Doyle about that. And then Joe and Duck are coming. I mean, when I talk to them, it's great talking to them about all the changes for automobiles. It's all coming your way yet. Through uh, the rest of today's Dave Ellswick Show, a Wednesday hump day right here on 101.1 FM. The answer, time for your traffic and weather. Let's get to it. You know, interestingly, uh, talking to Heidi, my producer today, she wasn't even aware that SpaceX was, you know, launching today. Uh, Now, back in the day, back in 63-ish, when uh, Shepard went up, uh, the thing that was amazing is that the whole uh, the whole world was tuned in. 
because, you know, uh, the Soviets had already gotten a man into space. We hadn't. So the space race was on. And the president at that, uh, in that time, President Kennedy, was tragically cut down early uh, in, you know, his first term as president. Uh, said uh, that, you know, we're not going to go to the moon because it's easy, but because it's hard. That's the way we used to think in this country. I don't think we think enough like that now in this country. We don't we don't sit and look at challenges and say, oh, but look at all the things. I mean, that, this is impossible. We never looked at it that way. We always felt that through um, American, uh, you know, the ability of Americans being Americans that we didn't look at challenges as something that would keep us from something, but that, that we would overcome the challenge and be able to do whatever it is that we were trying to do. We've lost some of that along the line here in this country, and we need to get it back. Uh, I, I hope that Elon Musk, who a lot of people think is an odd duck, and he is kind of an odd duck. I mean, who names their kid like what he and his wife are going to name their kid using just letters and Roman numerals? But anyway, as odd duck as he is, uh, maybe because he's an odd duck, he's willing to take the chance of doing what he's doing with his SpaceX program. He's willing to spend the money that that he's got on something like that. I mean, uh, there's not much you can say about a man who's willing to back up, you know, what he says uh, with his pocketbook and spend his money on something. And that's what he's doing. Bezos is the same way. I mean... Uh, when he first started Amazon and first got it going, people said, you, you just can't do what he's trying to do. And he's done it. And he has changed commerce as we know it. I mean, J.C. Penney is on the ropes right now. Sears is already flat on their back on the mat. Kmart is gone. Walmart is still with us. But Walmart even is having problems trying to catch up to what the the changes in commerce that Bezos has been able to make uh, on buying things over the Internet. And COVID-19 has played right into what he's doing. Uh, The ability that maybe you can't get something at, at Walmart or Kroger or harps or wherever you do your your shopping at but you can go online and and get it uh there at amazon.com or now uh, thousands of other uh convenient internet companies i i use the internet a lot i just uh, i just bought a safe and i didn't go out and buy it at one of the stores i bought it right over the internet i'm an amazon prime member uh didn't cost me anything to ship that uh um, safe to my house and it weighs 75 pounds back in the day you wouldn't have done it because just the shipping costs alone would have been enormous 
So we live in a great time. So keep that in mind. You're going to always face things that seem insurmountable. But you know what? We've gotten over unto other insurmountable times. I'm sure my parents, uh, before I was born, but when my brothers were growing up, uh, were worried about polio. Because it was striking a lot of kids at that time. It's killing a lot of kids. But they stuck with it, and uh, we were able to uh, overcome it. And things have uh, gotten better as we've gone along. So just keep that in mind. The sun is shining still. Times some clouds may move in front of the sun, but the sun is shining. All right, coming up uh, after the news, which is coming up next, and we'll bring you up to date for around the world and what's happening. And while you're listening to that, I'm going to step in next to my uh, dining room where I'm at right now uh, into my living room and watch uh, a little bit of Fox Business and pick up where the Dow is at and what things are going on. For the rest of today, there will be showers in our area. They'll be scattered. Uh, Thunderstorms will be scattered. Some of the thunderstorms could be severe, could be uh, heavy downfalls, could bring flash flood warnings. High today, 79. Uh, Tomorrow, showers continue. Uh, Scattered thunderstorms as well. High of 77 for your Friday. We're going to start drying out. High of 82. And your weekend's looking beautiful. If you're thinking about the weekend, I am because it's my daughter's 40th birthday. The whole family's going to get together and celebrate that on Sunday. Saturday, pleasant, sunny, high of 79. Sunday, nice, sunny, high of 82. I'm back after the news. into the second hour of a Wednesday show. It is, of course, uh, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday, and that's a good thing. Your half your work week's going to be over today, and you haven't even worked a half a week. That's a good thing. And uh, I'm happy to welcome Congressman Hill with us. 77 or 79 degrees are high today. Congressman, how was your Memorial Day? I know you took part in a, a reef lane ceremony did you not it was great i was so proud of governor hutchison to hold a memorial day ceremony out at the veteran cemetery in north little rock our beautiful veteran cemetery so many states didn't honor memorial day with the ceremony due to the pandemic and i was grateful to attend a socially distanced first class beautiful ceremony with including a uh, world war ii flyover it was great ah that's very cool Excellent. Yeah, I, I spent my Memorial Day uh, watching Turner Classic movies because they were playing some of the great uh, World War II movies. 
like 30 seconds over Tokyo and and uh, uh, from hell to eternity and stuff like that, based on true stories of the men who fought during World War II. And then they did a couple of movies about the women's, um, you know, help that they had back home uh, during World War II, working in the plants and things of that nature. It was really a great day to kind of sit and remember. My dad was a World War II vet. Didn't talk about it uh, all that much, uh, but what he did say, uh, say made me proud of him. He served with, with General Patton, 3rd Third, uh, Third Army Mechanized, and he was a Sherman tank commander and fought in the Battle of the Bolt. So um, I've always been raised to be proud of my country, uh, my brothers as well. All, all of us have served, and most of our own kids have served, and uh, that's kind of a... That's kind of an Ellswick kind of thing. But, you know, and, and it was part, I was really irritated earlier on, to be honest with you, Congressman, about how they were talking about, well, we're not going to let the Boy Scouts or the Cub Scouts go out and put the flags by the, uh, in the, the cemeteries, the national cemeteries for our troops that had died defending our freedom or, you know, and I'm I'm just thinking, you know, how stupid. I mean, that you can do that with social distancing and stuff. I was, yeah, I was so glad to walk out to the cemetery Monday and see flags out. They were all different sizes because the uh, they pivoted on that policy when people pushed back, and they did allow families to come out and put up flags, even though good. they didn't allow our scouts and others to do it. it. It looked good to have the flags out, and you know, it was a, a tribute to our Gold Star families that were there. General Milley, uh, Monday morning at the ceremony here at Arlington, said every Memorial Day for Gold Star families, every day is Memorial Day. And uh, it was, uh, the ceremony here was touching in Washington, D.C., and I thought Governor Hutchison did a great job talking about America as the essential country in his remarks uh, Monday at North Little Rock. There ain't no doubt about it. If there hadn't been an America, this world would be a totally different place, would it not be? Amen. All right, so let's talk about uh, something that's happening today, and then I'm going to get into talking about some things that are happening right now. But uh, this is something that is happening that I think should give everybody a measure of pride again. Uh, I call it a shaft of light uh, during this very cloudy period we're going through with COVID-19, and that is SpaceX. (laughs) That's Elon Musk's uh, uh, private business is launching two astronauts back to the International Space Station. It's the first time in over a decade that we've launched men into space from uh, from America. And I'm I'm proud. I, I spent the first half hour talking about how, how proud I was of our country and remembering when I was an 8-year-old kid being left at home with my mom to watch Alan Shepard blast off uh, from Cape Canaveral and how long it took to get him up into space, but how proud we were as Americans uh, to put uh, uh, an American into space. And look how far we've come now. Now it's, it, it's, the, it's the free market. For all those people who hate capitalism, it is capitalism that's taking us back into space again, uh, Congressman. This is a big day today. It's a big day. I encourage everybody to uh, watch at uh, 3.33 Central Time when SpaceX heads to the space station. I couldn't agree more with you. I grew up in those same years of the inspiration of 
America's uh, leadership in space and putting the first man uh, up to the moon. All those were inspirational moments, and now uh, this is the first step today to Mars. Uh, we will go to the space station, and then we will go and build a base on the moon, and we will be at uh, head to Mars by 2033, and the SpaceX launch is that inspirational first step. You know, I was talking about Elon Musk, and he's a, he's a strange duck. There's no doubt about it. I mean, look at what he's naming his kid, all right? Letters and Roman numerals. But anyway, <laughs> you know, you may be a strange, but H- Howard Hughes was a strange duck. And look at what he did for the aero industry, for flying between countries and things of that nature. I mean, he really brought a lot of change. I think Elon Musk is bringing a lot of change as well, don't you? I do, and this is an example of it. I loved your point that we're returning man to space, this time with the private sector uh, in the lead. Not to say that private sector didn't do a lot of the development for NASA all along the way. They did. But uh, this is a wholly owned uh, SpaceX as a private company, and they'll provide the launch services. And, you know, it's a huge innovation that we've seen just over the last 20 years in spaceflight and renewable uh, vehicles. And that's going to be the secret to a base uh, on the moon and, a, and the secret to going to Mars and back. Yeah, I can't wait. I really can't. I hope I'm alive when we go back uh, back to the moon and, and build a base there. I mean, I've been, I've been watching the Orion program for NASA. And, I mean, you look at their capsule and it looks exactly like the Apollo capsule except the twice as big and holds six people instead of three. It's really amazing. And, you know, what's really amazing is the next uh, rocket that takes us to the moon will be bigger than the Saturn V. I I didn't think we could build a rocket bigger than that, but we're going to build a rocket bigger than that. For anybody who's not been to Houston and to NASA, you need to go because they have a Saturn V there laying on its side. And when you stand next to that, I want you just to think about the guys, the, the three guys that got into the capsule on top of that. And it was just a big old bomb is what it was. And a controlled explosion and rode it uh, into uh, and around the moon. And uh, just absolutely incredible. And then on the moon as well. All right, enough about space. Let's talk about what's happening here on Earth. Nancy Pelosi is uh, doing crazy stuff. Uh, you have written an op-ed criticizing the proxy voting that she wants. Uh, you say it goes totally against what the founding fathers would have wanted. That's why you're going back to Washington, D.C. to cast your votes. Talk about proxy voting and, and what's so wrong about it. Well, this is uh, a good a good point. For 230 years in the Constitution, it says each House of Congress shall declare its own rules and shall determine a majority and how many members constitute a quorum. But it says uh, it can only be adjourned for by a minority to go compel members to come. The whole issue of the founders was to compel uh, representatives from around the country, the 13 original states, to come to Washington and to deliberate, to collaborate, to negotiate. And you have to do that in person, and voting on the House floor has never been done by proxy. It's true that there have been some proxy votes in committees along the way, but the committees of Congress, uh, even in that instance, you had to have been there first, then give your proxy to somebody if you had to step out of the meeting to miss a vote. And that, that's not done now at all, uh, but that is the only time the proxy's been used uh, in the House. And so I was very pleased this week that Kevin McCarthy has filed suit in federal court 
in Washington, D.C. against the Speaker's uh, House resolution. I think it's uh, unconstitutional. I look forward to the courts uh, reviewing it. And we can operate here safely and soundly using CDC guidance and conduct our work in Congress. And we can do some things remotely by video conference and by telephone. But the collaboration part is missing uh, in these uh, video conferences. Well, we've got to get to a break. Before, before we go, what do you think about what the CDC said yesterday that the chances if you get COVID-19 being fatal is 0.03%. That's right there with the flu, Congressman. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things that we, we thought at the beginning have been wrong, and I don't blame anybody. They, they reacted with, uh, you know, being, you know, very defensive about something they didn't know about. But it's time now to move on. Do you agree? I do. I mean, in January, right, uh, Senator Cotton was talking about Wuhan. Uh, I was asked by Kevin Miller on another network, uh, what is he, is he overreacting? And I said, no, I think you always overreact in a public health crisis. You do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why sure, I agree you with got you. To. There's no one to blame here. There's no one to blame here. Uh, the data is, uh, was we've never faced it before. Uh, but it's time to get our country open, and I'm sure people in this country can open their businesses and travel and do that in a safe and sound way. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's take a break, then we'll come back. we got more to talk about. Got to talk about China. we got to talk about Hong Kong. You know, I mean, I'm watching the, the stock market go crazy right now, and uh, it had a great day yesterday, over 500. It may have another day like that today. We may, we may be over 25,000 on the stock market. Woo-hoo. Just think a few months ago we were at 18,000. Incredible. And then let's talk about the Democrats. They're getting nervous that the economy is actually going to come back. We'll talk about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. My guest, Congressman uh, French Hill, he's uh, from District 2. He does this every Wednesday. I highly uh, uh, really regard him for that. Not a lot of congressmen do that. But uh, he keeps you up to date on what's going on in Washington, D.C. Let me keep you up up to date on who should take care of your roof. P.I. Roofing. They took care of mine. Did a great job. Got it all done in one day. Cleaned up after themselves. And I do mean cleaned up. They got this huge magnet. I talk about this, and Joel says, Dave, most people know about the magnet. And I don't know how much they know about the magnet. Uh, This magnet... You know, when they're putting the shingles on your house, those nails are flying everywhere. I mean, it's, it's like it's kind of like raining around your house. And all those nails are landing in your yard. And, uh, of course, they throw down old shingles into uh, a dumpster, and then some of them miss, and they're all over your property. Well, they clean all of that stuff up, all of the paper that was around the shingles and stuff. They clean all that up, and so they get it all cleaned up. But they go one step further. They take this big magnet around your house, and they pick up those nails that are in your yard. They get them all picked up, and you don't have to worry about them. Because think about it. You're mowing your lawn. What happens if your lawnmower picks one of those up? They do a great job because it's P.I. Roofing. And Joel Johnson, his wife, Victoria, do a fantastic job in taking care of your roof. And right now, you shouldn't be worrying about your roof. Let them worry about it. They'll take care of it. You call them, 707-3551, or visit them online at piroofing.com. 722 on a uh, Wednesday. 
Uh, your weekend looms in front of you. Weekend's looking really great, by the way, Saturday and Sunday. Sunday, excuse me. Going to be sunny skies, 79 degrees for a high on Saturday, and on Sunday a high of 82. It's my daughter's 40th birthday, and we're going to all gather, the Ellswood clan are, at her house and celebrate her 40th birthday. That's kind of a milestone as far as I'm concerned. And uh, my son's coming from Oklahoma. I can't wait. It's going to be a fun Sunday for me. Uh, when I get to see all my kids and my grandkids, I love when I can get the whole family together. With that said, our guest is Congressman French Hill. He, of course, uh, still is in the, the Little Rock area. However, you're going back to Washington. I mean, you just got done talking about proxy voting. Uh, when are you leaving and uh, to, to cast your votes? I came up uh, late last night, so I, oh, okay. I got up this morning. I'm in our nation's capital this morning. We start voting this afternoon. And we've encouraged all the Republicans to come honor the Constitution and vote in person, uh, unless, you know, they're facing some terrible health uh, risk. And so we respect anybody's desire that feels like they should not come or should not be here to, to not do that. I got to tell you something, Congressman. I wouldn't want to live in Washington, D.C., but whenever I go back to do shows there from time to time, there is something about getting up. I stay at the Phoenix all the time, which is just down the road from your building uh, there in, in D.C. And I go to the Dubliner and have breakfast, have a good Irish breakfast, sometimes sit in the booth that Tip O'Neill used to sit in uh, when he would hold court there. And there's just something about walking out. And I can see uh, the Grand Union Station, and I can turn around and look up to the, the street, and I can see the Capitol, and in back of it, the Washington Monument. I can't help but feeling, feeling proud about being in my nation's capital. Well, it's been a place that we're all proud to serve uh, since the first Congress 230 years ago. When you think about uh, what they did to come here and collaborate, meet and assemble and make the policies that have led to the greatest country in the world and defend the constitution of the greatest country in the world, travel, sickness, uh, weather, war, famine, civil war, uh, invasion. The British, well, the Congress met uh, within just a few, two weeks after the British invaded and burned the Capitol. Yeah, I know. Across the street. Come on. I mean, we can do this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I've been talking to that, to the people today. I want, I've been, I've been acting as cheerleader a little bit today, haven't I, Heidi? She's yes. nodding, yes. Yeah, she's <laughs> nodding. Yeah, she forgot to turn on her, her microphone. That's okay. Hey, let me ask this question. China is again. Uh, the headline in the news today, uh, there was supposed to be two, two governments, one country when you looked at Hong Kong. Seems like to me the way the Chinese are acting, they want one government, one country, and they want it controlled by the communists uh, now uh, in Hong Kong. That can't be allowed to happen. But what are our what can we do to, to, to bring this under control? Well, first of all, yes, for everybody listening, the, the Chinese government and the United Kingdom government, the English government, signed a 50-year agreement in turning China, uh, Hong Kong, the colony of Hong Kong, the English colony of Hong Kong, back over to mainland China. And there's 27 more years to go. We're about halfway through that 50-year period. And they agreed to one country, two systems, and allow Hong Kong's dramatic, uh, innovative, entrepreneurial, capitalist system to continue, to the benefit of China, I might add. Mm -hmm. 
But she has pivoted, and he is now uh, potentially going to uh, shut down the freedoms in Hong Kong, violate the agreement, and that's where the world needs to rally. The United States should rally with the United Kingdom and all free countries in the world, particularly the G7 countries that have monitored this for all these years, and said a deal was a deal. China agreed to this. It's an international treaty. It was signed, and it has uh, that enforcement, and they should honor it. And um, what we do sanction-wise will not be as strong if we don't do it with other countries in order to recognize uh, Hong Kong. And my concern is that if they shut down Hong Kong, if they go through with this, and my friends there tell me they're dedicated to do it. I've talked to Martin Lee. I've talked to Cardinal Zen, the Catholic former Catholic cardinal for all of Southeast Asia living in Hong Kong. Uh, this is a real crisis, and I think it could precipitate a crisis in Taiwan, uh, where yeah. China holds the same viewpoint, as you know. They believe Taiwan is belongs to the communists, and they want it, want it back. Well, let's not forget there was a Chinese general just a few years ago that said L.A. or Taipei, you know, you know, which country will America choose? I mean, that's, you know, the, the, the buildup of their military and everything is all about this. They think Taiwan belongs to them. And sooner or later, they're going to try to take it back. I think you know it. I know it. What are we going to do about it? Well, first we have to deal with the diplomacy of this Hong Kong situation, defend the people in Hong Kong, defend the 50-year agreement, the international agreement put in place. But I think uh, China is inspired by Putin's uh, behavior of taking the Crimea, nothing happened, taking part of Georgia, nothing happened over the last 20 years. I'm very concerned about this, uh, but we do have diplomatic uh efforts that we should make, and they should be unilateral among all the developed countries. Uh, China's reputation is in tatters, as we've talked about on this show, national security, trade, economics, the pandemic, and now what they're doing while the world is concerned about public health, about trying to uh, shut down the freedoms that they guaranteed by law in Hong Kong. Yeah. Congressman, we're out of time. It always goes fast when you're on with me. I appreciate your time. Go up there and cast your vote, sir. Amen, my brother. See you soon. Take care. All right. Thank you very much. Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Always a pleasure to talk to him. Uh, Rush is next, and then we come back. Doyle Webb will be on with us. Where is the convention going to be? We'll find out. Back uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We took a little break during the bottom of the hour to get some more coffee and line up our next guest. Doyle Webb is with us. He's the chairman of the Arkansas uh, GOP. He is the longest-running chairman of a, of a state party uh, right now as far as the GOP is concerned. I keep, I keep reminding all the RNC people about that when they come on to my show, Doyle. Because good, good, good. You're the man. Something for us to be proud of. I agree. I agree, and I am. I'm proud of what you've attained and what you've done here in the state. So let's you know, the talk. The average term for a state chairman is 18 months. Wow. <clears throat> 18 months, and uh, y'all have had me around for 12 years. I know. So that's been, great. It's been amazing, and it, it shows. It's just like, you know, those great uh, MBA and um, – you know, when you get your major league baseball teams, your NFL teams, the ones that have the consistency of the same coach and coaching staff tend to do well. 
Same way with the political parties. And here in the yep. state of Arkansas, you've done an admirable Thank job you. for the party. Thank you. With Thank that you. in mind, the president, uh, as he so ought to do, uh, made a tweet <laughs> a couple of days ago. Yeah. And uh, nobody was expecting it, I guess, from what I've read. Uh, and then the vice president came out and followed up that tweet. And that is North Carolina get, get, get on the stick or maybe we won't have a, a convention there. We'll have it somewhere else, but we will have it. Uh, but the president is right about this. We can't, you can't be sitting around getting maybes and buts about the convention. You've got to know that it's ready to go, correct? Absolutely, Dave. You know, uh, and the, and the uh, president wasn't joking, and the vice president wasn't joking. Uh, we're down to the the, uh, the time in which a decision has to be made, uh, because you just don't walk into an arena and we suddenly have a, uh, uh, a pour water on uh, convention. You know, it suddenly just explodes and it fills the room. It takes about forty-five to fifty days to build out the yeah. staging. Uh, and we're to that point, and right now, North Carolina doesn't allow gatherings of more than 10 people. Uh, and, you know, we're looking at, what, 20,000 yeah. in the arena itself. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, they have held um, releasing the hotels to the states at this point because they don't want us to go in and pay monies for hotel rooms, and then might, we might not get that money back Um so we're in a posture, I think, this week we're going to decide whether we're going to Charlotte, are we going to Florida, are we going to Georgia, are we going to Texas, are we going to Nevada, who knows where we might go. Well, Kemp really wants you to come to Atlanta. He's really pushing it. He is, and, uh, you know, I think the one thing I love is that there are, there are southern states, Florida and Georgia, uh, really looking, I saw where uh, Tim Griffin this morning said, why don't we bring them to Arkansas? Well, no. you know, <laughs> I'd love to have them in Arkansas, but we don't have the, we don't have the facility hotel rooms uh, that is required. We'd fill up the whole, uh, every hotel room in the state. Probably yeah. With, yeah, with it would be amazing. Yes. Now, yes. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not a possibility, but if, if, you're into these conversations. I mean, you're one of the people that they talk to specifically about this. What seems to be the overriding urge? Do you think does the governor of North Carolina and and more in, and even closer to the situation, the mayor of of Charlotte, are they showing that they want to have the Republican National Convention? There is, and you know, you're right. I, I can't get into total detail, but there are serious, serious conversations going right now. The mayor of Charlotte uh, is supportive. As a matter of fact, she was on the DNC site location uh, committee a few years ago. Uh-huh. and so, But she's very supportive. She knows what a convention can bring to a city and to a state when you have 50,000 visitors coming in and the money that is spent. You know, yeah. For example... So it's serious. It's serious. There's going to be uh, it's it's time to to uh, uh, get make the decision this week. Okay, yeah. it's just that serious. And I yeah. think uh, the president's tweet was very timely. It put the seriousness and the pressure on the governor and and the mayor over there. Okay. Yeah, 
I don't think that that was, uh, uh, you know, an unbelievable tweet that the president said, sent. I think it's just right. a commonsensical uh, tweet. Right. And, and you and, go ahead. You know, you, uh, excuse me. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You know, you've been many times. I've yep. been, this will be my 11th convention. A, a, nas- a, Repub- a convention, a national political convention is a national security event. It's a this nightmare. is a very serious <laughs> event, and it's essential to the process of electing a president. Okay, the, the, this is not taken lightly. Okay, and security—you know what security is? It's oh, yeah. unbelievable. So uh, I think the the money has already been uh, spent or been uh, transferred to the city of Charlotte for security which they would have to refund uh, to us because the event has not occurred. You know, even our state, we're in the process of electing delegates right now. We will take uh, 37 dele- well, 40 delegates and 37 alternates to the location, which I, I am of the belief it will still be Charlotte, but we will see, okay? Uh, right. But we've already, we've already expended some money not on a hotel but on – uh, where we'll have uh, a nice dinner the Saturday night before the convention begins. And fortunately, we put a provision in there that if for some reason the convention is moved or uh, canceled due to the virus, we get our funds back. But, you know, money is being spent right yeah. now and has been being spent. Well, here's the thing that I know that the, the mayor of Charlotte can be sure of. The, Dem- uh, the Democrats left owing money. We won't. That's exactly right. And it wasn't uh, just a little bit of change either. It was in the millions of dollars. And they know the Republican National Committee already has its funding raised for the convention. Mm-hmm. It's re- And we've had people on the ground there for a year. As you know, you have to evaluate where are, where's media going to be uh, in Cleveland. What, what do we do? Build out a parking deck. Yeah, the whole parking deck was turned into Meteor Row. Right, right. And those kind of things are getting ready to have to occur. Now, the advantage that we have in negotiating now is that so many venues have are vacant. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and so the competition for where we're going to go is not as not great at all because there's empty venues and many sites wanting you to come there. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, but once again, I can't, I, I, matter of fact, I'll be on a telephone call this afternoon uh, and I, I can't, can't reveal, but I can tell you it is very serious. Uh, do I think that we'll end up in Charlotte? I, you know, I kind of think we will, but uh, you know, Georgia looks pretty good. In August, yeah. and and maybe Las Vegas. They always have hotel rooms, and they have a <laughs> and that and that state hasn't been mentioned yet. Okay, that's uh, true. But uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we could give them a real shot in the arm, couldn't we? We absolutely could. Uh, and they have a great facility out there, and and plenty of hotel, plenty of uh, you know, it won't, it wouldn't be like. Tampa, where you had distance traveling of the delegations, right. uh, we want we want a town like Charlotte, where the majority of your delegates can stay within twenty minutes of the convention, twenty to thirty minutes. Uh, as you know, Tampa uh, oh, was, a, it was nightmare. a nightmare. 
it <laughs> was. I can say that. I saw that. I saw the New York Yankee spring training facility more times than I ever want to see it in the in the future. <laughs> and it tra- you do a great job. You do a great job. And it was odd. Remember, we had to walk the whole distance. Uh, Arkansas did. Of the, of the secured area to get to the entrance to where we could even get to media. Yes. Row. It was just poorly, poorly planned. Uh, it was the only so. place that I've ever gone to that I felt I was in the X-Files. Uh, <laughs> they, they, had, they had this huge, like, uh, tunnel that you had to walk down. It had to be 200 yards. And it was yeah. all, yeah. you know, white plastic sheeting. And the first thing yeah. I, I talked to, to I, I looked up and I, I said, Man, I'm just telling you, this looks like the X-Files. And it was a nightmare getting people to come over to us because they had to come so far from the main facility. Yep. You almost had to walk that distance. And then once you get in the building, you had to walk back some, as I recall. My, my memory yep. may be but but it was, it was very, very odd, you know. Uh, but once again, let me say this. The RNC is very uh, health. Uh, concerned. We have uh, medical professionals on staff that are looking to make sure that we don't endanger anyone uh, and, and have a plan for what's going to go on. Uh, you know, we may be in a facility that doesn't have <clears throat> as many visitors as we have had in the past. Or if we were in a larger facility, we could spread out. Yep, that's the key. Uh, you know, you just don't know at this point what August will bring. I'm I'm of the hope that it'll be much better. It'll be warm. We're in the south. It's hot. It's humid. And viruses don't like that environment. So, <clears throat> once again, uh, we, we won't get into the question whether this has been overhyped or not. But uh, No, uh, I don't. I'm, I don't. Yeah. We don't have to get into that when we come back. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit more about some other things that are out there about the Democrat Party and how they're freaking out that the economy may come back like gangbusters. <laughs> I mean, I mean they really are. They're freaking out right now. Uh, uh, Doyle, you know this. I, I don't have to yeah. tell you. They know if the economy comes back in gangbusters, their chances of winning the White House, holding on to the House, and taking the Senate are like zero. I mean, I'm just saying it's it's going to be a totally different election. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. Doyle Webb is our guest. He is the chairman of the Arkansas GOP. We've got 10 minutes left with Doyle Webb. He is the chairman of the Arkansas GOP. Next hour, Duck and Joe will be here. They'll talk about cars. Uh, they'll take your car questions. You got a problem? All you got to do is call 823-0965. Don't call right now. Call after the news next at the top of the hour, and they'll be happy. We'll be happy to get you ready to answer your question. Uh, David Lucas says, "What would you do with an extra two hundred eighty-seven thousand six hundred nineteen dollars in retirement?" Now, I can think of a lot of things that I would do. I'd spend a little bit more time there on the Gulf Coast. I can tell you that much. Uh, and but that's how much a Little Rock couple could save in taxes. With their IRA and 401k, thanks to the tax planning strategies from David Lucas Financial right here in Little Rock, 
Learn exactly how much money you could save with a free retirement tax analysis. If you've saved more than $250,000, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis right now. Do it right now. Call now, 501-222-3315. If you've got an IRA or a 401k, you're going to want to find out how much money in taxes you could save by calling 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. That number again, 501-222-3315. All right, Doyle is here. Let me, the CDC came out yesterday. And, uh, and look, I don't find, I don't lay blame with anybody who I thought overreacted because of this, because we didn't know what we were dealing with. We didn't have uh, the information that we needed, I think, to make really, really uh, quality decisions, thanks to the communists uh, over in China. Bottom line, though, the CDC came out and said, your chances of being a fatality of the uh, COVID-19 is 0.03%. That was the new figures they gave out yesterday as they've been looking at all of the data. And when I look at that, that means that you get this, your chances of dying are like uh, what it would be if you got the normal flu. And uh, I've kind of felt that all along. But, uh, you know, I'm not a I'm not a doctor like Dr. Smith here in in uh, Arkansas. And he's heading out to the CDC now. Uh, They've hired him away from us. That's a loss for us. But uh, that makes me feel a lot better about the convention, doesn't it, you, Doyle? David, it certainly does. And, and you and I know that uh, as being good conservatives, there's personal responsibility in all of this. If, if you're a person that has health risk, you should take different precautions than others. And we should also be considerate of our fellow man. Uh, just uh, I, I think that this is very helpful. I have I've often wondered what is the length of time of recovery for this as well. You know, we always hear the, the terrible stories, and they are terrible, of people being in the hospital for four months or five months. Uh, but we seldom ever hear the story of the, the lady who was 102 who recovered or someone that didn't even know they had the virus uh, and never showed any symptoms of it. Uh, I think, uh, once again, I'm like you. I'm not a doctor. I don't think that we overreacted because uh, when, when you're confronted with an enemy, you have to take appropriate precautions. But as we're learning more, uh, I think that uh, I think that we're going to be in much better shape. I'm excited about the economy. You know, I, I live in Benton, and Military Road couldn't be any busier uh, on a Friday night than it has been during the day. It's amazing the people that are out and they're spending money. Yeah, and that, and that's good. That's really, really good. And we've got a country right now where most of the Republican governors are reopening their states. Some Democrats are beginning to. But you, when you hear stories like uh, the one I, I came across uh, yesterday, uh, and it said... Since uh, February, in fact, uh, the Democrats have been saying uh, they've been 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 being warned, saying that once we defeated COVID-19 or or we're able to start opening businesses again, that the 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 ramp up of uh, the American economy 
would be quick. They're saying now that in the third quarter we may see. Are you ready for this, Doyle? Growth I'm may ready. be tr- growth may be twenty percent. Oh my! Oh, twenty percent. Get out! That's of the incredible. Way. Dollars are going to be flying through the air, and they may hit you. Okay. Yeah, it's, that's uh, the truth. Uh, that's uh, that's true. Well, there's just pent up uh, buying. Uh, there, certainly, there have been people that have lost their job, uh, but I'm hopeful that there has been a, a safety net there that's been helpful to most people, particularly in Arkansas. Uh, but I think we better get ready. There's uh, once again, they may be running out of all the luxury items rather than just toilet paper. They may be, you know, running out of uh, golf balls and, and whatever yep. out there that people will be buying because they're ready to get out, ready to do some great things. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited, you know. Well, I'm excited because the Democrats know this, and I think this is why some of the uh, big states are really dragging their feet about reopening. If we have a 20% growth factor in the third quarter going into November, mm. I can tell you what the votes are going to look like. That's right. You're exactly right. I, and I hope that those uh, states will look and see what they are losing by not beginning the process of opening up and opening up. For example, what we're talking about, North Carolina. You've got you've got 50,000 people uh, ready to come and spend money in your state, okay? Mm-hmm. That's Are you going to make provision for us to come in, or do you want us to go elsewhere? Because the money's going to be spent, okay? It's going to be spent, and there's going to be 50,000 people somewhere. Do you want them in North Carolina or Georgia or Florida or who knows where? Texas, maybe, uh, Nevada. Uh, we'll see. But, you know, the choice is those governors of whether they open or not. And, of course, you know, the governor in North Carolina is up for election this year. Yeah. Uh, what's it going to say to his constituents if the Republican National Committee doesn't come to his state and the loss that will occur to Charlotte at that time? It's kind of it's kind of incredible because you got the. The uh, lieutenant governor in North Carolina running against the governor because they've got the situation we had uh, when we had, uh, you know, Wynn as lieutenant governor, a Republican, and you had Beebe, uh, the, the, the governor. You know, he was a, a, a Democrat, and you had two different parties, and it, uh, except for his untimely death, the same thing would have happened here in Arkansas. I've been a, yep. a Republican uh, lieutenant governor running against a uh, a Democrat yeah. uh, in the in the in the state uh, governor. I know you're questioning yourself there. That was actually Jim Guy Tucker and and Wim Paul. Okay? That's right. Uh, okay. Uh, gotcha. Those times were confusing times. Okay. Yeah, they were. You're right. They're not yoked. Well, that's the term. They were not yoked. <laughs> that's <together>. good. <laughs> I like that. And you're right. They were not yoked. All right. So we got a minute left. Let me ask you to tell our listeners again. Your feeling is right now. Number one. The Republican Party is going to have a convention. If it's not in North Carolina, there's plenty of places to go. It's not going to be a virtual convention. People are going to be together. We're going to hear the president speak. We're going to be excited. There will be a convention that we that delegates will be attending and that we will push Donald J. Trump on to election. All right. And I hope to be there. I think it's 99% sure that I'll be there. But I'll be broadcasting live from the convention in August uh, back to you here uh, in our uh, 
our area. In fact, we'll figure out how we can do Mevo as well so you can watch this year as well. Hey, thanks so much. It will be somewhere. Thank you, Doyle. Uh, Thank you, Doyle. Talk to you later. He's off to running and taking care of all his business. Uh, Duck and Joe will join us when we come back after the news, which is next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Dave Ellswick Show, six minutes after eight. Good to have you with us. And uh, if you're supposed to be at work at eight o'clock, you're still driving, you're late. Okay, just want to let you know. Make sure you know where you're going, what you're looking at. 79 for a high today. The weekend is looking sunny and pleasant. Both days, Saturday, sunny skies, 79 degrees. Sunday, sunny skies. And my daughter, Jennifer's uh, birthday, four, uh, she'll be 40. And uh, it's going to be 82 degrees out. We're going to all gather at her house and have a birthday party around the pool and cook out and just have a good time. All right, so I'm looking here, and uh, we got Duck and we got Joe. They've joined us today. Hey, guys, did you hear the CDC's uh, recent statement about what your chances of being a COVID-19 fatality are? No. Yep. 0.03%. Remember when we got started, because people didn't know what we were really dealing with, they were saying there was a chance of uh, 6 and 7% of the people who were infected would die from COVID-19. It is 0.03, and if I'm not mistaken, that is on par, in fact, maybe a little lower than dying from the flu. That's amazing that now that we know a lot more data about uh, this disease. So hopefully uh, our governor will see it that we can move on to, you know, phase two, phase three, get back to 100 percent normal. He did say over the weekend, I'm paraphrasing now, but people had to understand you got to live with this stuff. It's just you can't just stay at home. I mean, some of, of you are going to stay home no matter what. But I'm just telling you, you can get out and you can do some things. You've got to take some precautions. I do. i got type 2 diabetes, and uh, I'm 67 years old. You know, I'm not going to go to an SEC football game right now. But uh, anyway, I like to sit at home and watch it on TV because I can see all the plays over and over and over again if I want to. So anyway, uh, it, a lot of good Information coming out. The Dow right now is up almost 400 before it's open. Uh, so yesterday, uh, over 500 points. So good things are happening. The economy is starting to respond to the number of people that are out there. And, you know, they're, they're talking about all the people that are, gain, are getting unemployment. Something that people 
are not considering, uh, Joe and Doc, is how many people have been fired versus how many people have been furloughed. If you're on furlough, it means that when the company is ready, they'll call you back to work. If you've been fired, it means you've got to find a new job. That's a totally different concept. Uh, and I'd like to know how many people have been furloughed, uh, furloughed because there's a, there's a possibility uh, that with all those people being called back, they go back to work. We could, you know, knock down the unemployment numbers by a half uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, you're oh, right about that, Dave. That's uh, good. I, I mean, it's been furloughed. I got a son-in-law that's been furloughed. He's on furlough till uh, June, end of June, I think. Okay, so he knows that at the end of the June, at the end of June, he's yep. going back to work. Yes. You know, yeah, if all, neighbor, all the decisions me. Go ahead. My neighbor furloughed until June the sixth. I think he told me. Okay, well, he's going back next week. Yep. Think about that. That's next week. We're almost through May. This is this is I can say without a doubt that this is the final week of May of two thousand and twenty. Yeah. I said that last week and it wasn't true. Now you're into the final week and June first is uh Monday. We're moving we're we're getting into the to to the summer and uh I saw the predictions. Uh, it looks like they're saying we're gonna have a nice hot, muggy summer, which I'm happy to kill the kill the crap out of the coronavirus. And um, and be pretty close to being normal rain. Right now, we've been like over 200 percent higher for rainfall than than uh, normal. So uh, hopefully things will try. Yeah, I'm going to Florida in September, man. I'm, I'm I've got everything set up to go to uh, Panama Beach. I love Panama Beach. I'm going back Panama Beach uh, uh, second week of uh, September for my for my vacation. I I put down my money for my deposit. So I'm heading down there. I'm looking, staying at the Driftwood where I always stay. Got to like that place. Looking yep. out on the Gulf. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. So well, let me ask you guys a question. I got Nathan. He sent us a question about a 2004 Chrysler Town & Country. It's a six-cylinder, three-liter, 3.3-liter uh, engine. And by the way, you're listening. You want to ask a question, 823 823- 0965, a and uh, that means uh, you call in. You can talk directly to Joe and Duck and uh, get their direct, uh, you know, thoughts on your problem. Here it is. Lost only my fob key and want to know my options. Mainly want to know my options. One, a locksmith wants to charge over $300 to get a new key cut. But I was hoping there's another option, maybe changing the key tumbler, I guess you would call it, where the key goes in. The original key apparently is a fob. And if I change the tumbler, can I go to a plain traditional key? Will it affect anything about starting the vehicle? I know the door locks and the keyless entry won't work. But could that possibly be an option, being able to have a key that at least will start my car? All right, let's start off with you, Joe. Answer is no. You'll have to go back with the original key and the original key system because of the security. Man, you are a spoiled sport, aren't you? Yes, I am. (laughs) But, but Dave, 
Yeah. He can he can go to the internet. I bought a set of keys for a Chevrolet pickup the other day, a, a 17 model. A guy done the same thing, lost his keys. I bought two keys and everything for $29 off the internet, fobs and all. The fobs and everything? Yep. I took them and had them cut, took them up to uh, uh, AAA lock over on baseline. He cut them for yeah. me, took them back to the shop and programmed them. Worked like a charm. Wow. So if this guy would give either one of you a call and had this stuff, you guys can do the programming. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Can you do the programming, Joe? Yeah, we can do that. $29 for the keys. He had to pay the locksmith to cut them, and then he had to program them. So the guy's still looking at $150, $200, right, Doug? He had $190 in that time. It was all said and done. Okay, well, that's still saving $110. Yep. I mean, that's not a, that's not a stick in the eye. I think he charged me forty dollars to cut them. Okay. How much? How much were you? Did you have to charge to be able to program them? Because that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, Russell charges an hour to program them. Okay. All right. Because you guys get a little under hundred ninety dollars tax and all. All right. Because you guys got to go to the manufacturer to get uh, to get the necessary uh, download, don't you? Yes. Yes. Okay. Just so everybody knows, don't lose your keys. Unless it's a Ford. Yeah. It's Put them the somewhere port. you know where they're at. Yep. Yeah. Be- best thing, get two of them. Take that second one, and yesterday I just had a safe delivered to my house. Not a big, big safe, like a gun safe, but a smaller one. And uh cost me a couple hundred dollars, no charge on the, on the you know, the being delivered because I'm a prime member with Amazon. But I got that, and that's one of the things that would go in at that and my passport and, and, and maybe a little liquid cash so that if something really went bad and the economy really went south, uh, I had a little cash that I could use if it, if the money was still worth anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I make everybody's day bright now. I've been working on. I've been making. I'm trying to make it, you know, everybody happy because we're we're getting ready to go back up in space today. We're getting ready to do a lot of a lot of great things today. And stock markets up, but it always pays to have a little liquidity uh, in the money that you got so that you can. Uh, Access it if if you need to spend it wisely though. I'm just saying, spend it I got wisely. Copper pennies, Dave. You, you got what? Copper pennies. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. And I've got buffalo head nickels. I don't know how much they're worth now, but might be worth more at that point. Gold is down again today, guys. The last two days dropped twenty nine dollars an ounce. Uh, that's what happens when the stock market goes up. Gold goes down and vice versa. That's just the way it works. All right, so bottom line, go online, buy your keys, get them over to Joe or Duck or any, uh, you know, bumper to bumper certified service center, and they can take care of, of, uh, you know, making sure your fobs are are going to work. It's not going to be free, but it will save you money. All right, Sam has a 2005 Jeep Liberty Sport. It's got a six-cylinder, 3.7-liter engine. Will a motor from a 2003 fit in this? 
how hard is it going to be to put a motor from a 2003 in a 2005? What kind of problems do you think will arise from taking this type of action? Now, there's a lot of things to consider now because of all the computers. So what are some of the things that he really has got to think? We'll start this time with you, Duck. What what year model and kind of motor was it, Dave? I it, missed that. Okay, a 2005 Jeep Liberty Sport, a six-cylinder 3.7. This guy wants to put in a 2003. I'm going to assume that it's a Jeep Liberty Sport, six-cylinder 3.7. Can you do it in a yeah. 2005? Yeah, you probably could. You have to do some changing. You know, you probably have to strip it down to a long block. And then put everything off of his onto that one to make it work. As long as they're the same, you know, the the same size engine and everything. Well, anything they need to know about, you know, no, you know, about uh, their VIN number or anything like that. No, because you're going to use all your computer system off your old motor in there anyway. Okay. <laughs> so really, no problem then that you would see uh, uh, in doing that. You'll probably have to strip it down to a long block, what they call a long block, and then put all your equipment off your old motor onto that one to make it work. But it'll probably be the same. Okay. All right. So there's a interchange book that he can use if he if he buys yeah. one from a salvage company. Because the only difference that we've seen in some of them is the is how many teeth are on the crank counter for top dead exactly. center. That would be a issue if if there was a change in that between the 05 and the 03. But there there's some interchange books out there that tell him whether or not he'd have to change a crankshaft. Yeah, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. There was a guy that was having problems, mm-hmm. and it, you guys thought it was because of the amount of teeth that were on the crank. Yes. Yep. Now, Chrysler is notorious for that. As they upgrade their software and their computers, They'll change that tooth count to get it better because they, they use more precise uh, counters on it because they're doing different things with the camshafts, the phasers, uh, the start-stop technology and all that. So they're all moving towards that, but they got to know exactly where that crankshaft is. And and I don't know if 2003 to 5 is a different engine as far as that goes, but he can get that information probably – from one of the salvage yards that has an interchange book and tell him whether or not it'll work or not. All right, guys, it's 20 minutes after 8. It's going fast today. If you want to talk to these guys, you better call 823-0965, 823-0965. I've got more questions, but if you got a question, that's the number to call, 823-0965. Taking a break, coming back with more traffic weather for you right now on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, 23 minutes after 8 on a Wednesday. It is middle of the weekday, hump day, whatever you want to call it, over the hill day. But we're closer to the weekend. The weekend's uh, looking really good. Pleasant and sunny on both days. High on 79 on Saturday. Sunday looking to be 82. I think I'm going to take my uh, my smoker grill out with me to my daughter's, Joe, and, and do about uh, uh, you know four sides of ribs. Uh, for everybody. Yes, sir. Have some good stuff. <laughs> yeah, Joe Joe yep. taught me how to make ribs so that they just fall off the bone. Let me tell you, I'll share it with you 
here if we got a little minute in the next half hour. But Paul is waiting to talk to us. Paul is in Bauxite. Paul, what kind of automobile you have, and what's your question? Uh, yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I have a, Good morning. Morning, y'all. I have. I'm the guy with the 2000 GMC with 360,000 miles, and then my rear main seal leaks. So I put some papers on the floor to catch the oil and change it each week. And I was wondering what would it cost to put a short block in that, approximately. What kind of motor is it? It's a small V8. Sorry. Like uh, the 5.3 or the 4.8, or have you got any idea? I'm not. I've just always been told it's a small V8. What year model is it? Uh, 2000. Oh, that's probably going to be a 4.8 then. Um, are you sure it's the rear main? Yes, sir. To put a short block in it, you'll probably spend, I don't know, it's been a while since I bought a 4.8. I don't remember what they call. If you call the shop, I'll get Russell to look you up, and uh, we'll get you figured out what it costs you. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep using the the, rat, the the pens, I call it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, P- Paul, you got I'm gonna, you got I'm, it. I want to I jump in here just a minute okay. on that oil leak, okay, because... There's a big there's a big thing about that on that particular year model the four eights the five threes the cam position sensor is at the top of the motor in the back. Got an O-ring. Never replaces those, but there's an O-ring back there that leaks and it'll run right down between the motor and the transmission. And everybody thinks huh. it's a rear main seal leaking, and it's not. Okay. You've, you've got to get back. Let y'all look at it. Cam seal out. Yeah, something let us let us look at it, and then we'll go from there. Okay, I appreciate you. All right, do you Thanks, have a Paul. do you hey Paul, do you have a, a pencil handy? Uh, yes sir. Okay. A hey, uh duck, give him your number cuz I think Foxite's closer to you than it is to yeah. to uh to Joe. Go ahead. 501-778-2886. Okay, I'll give y'all a call. All right, uh, thank you Paul. All right. Appreciate that call. Talk to you later. If you got a question, here's your opportunity. See, now, he was going to go change the engine out because he was sure it was that, you know, that leak was a, a specific leak when, in fact, Joe has, informa- has information from working on cars, same with Duck, that that O-ring could be leaking down, and what you're seeing is fluid from something entirely different than where you think that it's coming from. Well, Dave, it's got 300,000 miles. It's probably hard as a car. And that's that's where yeah. they usually leak at when people haul a rear main oil seal. Okay. I agree. Right. And, 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 and it's overlooked a lot. And, and, you know, to test it, to check it, you just pull it out and look at it. And if oil level's above the O-ring, it's leaking. Yeah. may not be all of his leak, but I bet you it's a big part of it. Yeah. All right. All right, it's 827. I got a question from Hank. I think I can ask this, and you guys can answer before we get to the bottom of the hour. He's got a 1994 Ford Explorer Limited. It's a six-cylinder, four-wheel drive, four-liter engine. He says the passenger side axle bearing was replaced, but the axle still wobbles. Could it be the wrong bearing? What do you think the problem is? And I think that you guys can come up with an answer on this. Go. Well, I would be wondering if if if, it, if it's the front or the rear. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say if it's if it's the if it's the rear on it, 
It could have a wore-out hub assembly. You know, a lot of times people don't look at the hub assemblies, uh, which means that, you know, some of those, that model, I believe, had a pressed-in bearing back there, didn't it, Doug? Yes, it did. But if the hub is wore and you press it in and it don't hold it tight, it's still going to wobble, so. And if it's the problem, it could be the dry shaft wore out. That's correct. All right, so here we go with another example of they need to bring this in to you, to to somebody at a bumper-to-bumper certified service center to let them look at it so they know exactly what it is they're looking at to fix, correct? Yes. Yeah, because he's, you know, somebody else has been working on this, and, you know, a lot of times it's, it's how well of a job they did doing that repair as to whether or not it has something else wrong with it or if they just didn't do a good job on their repair. We'd have to look at that. All right. All right, there you go. That's some uh, that's good information for everybody who's listening. If you have a question, the number is 8230965. If you're listening on the internet or somewhere else in uh, in the country, it's 5018230965 and uh, even if you're in California, your cars are made the same way. They can answer your questions as well. Just call that number and Joe and Duck can get at it. All right, Sean Hannity is coming up, and then we'll be back after the break with more of uh, Duck and Joe here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay tuned. You've got Sean right now. All right, 25 minutes until 9. We've just got a little bit of time left with uh, Duck and Joe. If you've got a car question, 501 823 0965. These guys can answer it for you, or they'll, you know, it may be a question that you got to put it on a computer. If so, uh, the bumper to bumper certified service centers are the place to go to find out what's wrong with your car. You know, they don't, you know, fix truck, you know, repair trucks, they fix them. Uh, how is it that you say that, uh, Joe? We don't work on cars and trucks, we fix cars and trucks. There we go. They don't just work on them. They, they'll they fix them for you. That's something to keep in mind. All right. Got a question for you. This is for Mikey. He's got a 1997 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited, eight-cylinder, 5.2-liter engine. My uh, ZJ is overheating. I've already changed the fan clutch, water pump, and even took out the thermostat. I don't know what to do. What have I already, or have I done too much already? The coolant is changed in it. Changed the fan clutch twice, put a new thermostat in, but now I'm running without one, and I've cleaned the condenser. When I turn the AC on, it overheats to around 220 in the city roads, but not on the freeway or when the AC is turned off. Any, got any ideas what's the problem, guys? Joe, you want to no, start it off? Yeah, it's probably a stopped-up radiator is what I'm guessing. What do you think, Duck, from his description? Yep, sounds like it is. You can take a temperature gauge and find it pretty quick. Yeah. Because he done put a water pump on, done put two fan clutches on it, and it's still running hot. And running it without the thermostat in it is not a good idea, neither, because it don't go in a closed loop. So, but yeah, I know it's circulating all the time too fast, yeah. All right, so you say, Duck, he's got to get his thermostat back in, and uh, how do the how does he go about testing on the 
on the radiator, you guys said test it, see how hot it is in the in the radiator. What does he got to do? Take a temperature gauge, but uh, most time I would just pull it and send it to the radiator shop and have them to run a flow test on it, see if it'll flow. Because it's got to flow so many gallons mm. per minute to make it work right. All right, so this is a 19... 19- Go ahead, Joe. A lot of times when you pull that radiator out, you'll look down inside it where you can, and you'll don't, you won't see anything in there trash-wise. But you have to understand all that buildup's going to be in the bottom of it. And a lot yep. of times when you pull that radiator out, it's going to be aluminum core with plastic tanks. So these radiators don't weigh that much. But when you pull it out and pour all the rest of the cooling out of it and just pick it up, if it's excessively heavy, it's stopped up. Yep. Because you can have a new one sitting there and pick it up and pick the other one up. And I'll bet you that old one weighs four or five pounds more than that other one. And that means the bottom of it's full of crap. Okay, yep. so here's my question. It's a 97 Jeep Grand Cherokee. So can you take that in and have somebody, if they figure it's uh, and, and they figure it's clogged up, cut the bottom top off and rot it out? No, you can buy a radio cheaper than that. Okay. That's correct. So you're going to put a new radiator in is what's going to happen? Yep. Yep. Most likely. All right. Hopefully we had not blow no head gasket on it or nothing. Yeah. I mean, there's a test for that, too. You can check for hydrocarbons in it, and you can run a pressure yep. test on it and some things. But if it's not running bad or missing when he first starts in the morning, they ain't got any, you know, steam coming out the tailpipe, a little bit of antifreeze smell out the pipe, he's probably just got a restricted radiator. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you, where does he take it to? Uh, not many radiator shops open anymore. Only two around. Okay, wait, you talked over each other. You go ahead, Joe. What, what were you saying? Well, I don't know of any, a couple of them that are still open, but, but you know, his, his thing about that is, and, and this is me, if that's a factory radiator, he needs to put one in it. Yep. <laughs> He's going to take time to pull it out. Just go ahead and put one in it and, and go on because that, that thing is uh, 20 years old, 23 years old. Uh-huh. Yep, and, and so there, it's going to be stopped up with some crap. I promise you. All right, so better not to even go test it. Just pull it and put the new one back in. That's so what we all You had to take. All right, so let me ask yeah. you guys this question. We should, we got a little time before we got to go to the break. He puts in the new radiator. Are there some things that he should be paying close attention to when he does this? He needs to put the thermostat back in it, and he needs to make sure he gets the air bled out of it. All right. Any Is there any special thing that he has to do to bleed the air, or is it just, you know, fill it up and let it run with the cap off and let it bleed it air out that way? Every vehicle's got a different bleeding sequence on that one right there. A lot of times what we'll do is we'll take the uh, heater hose off the block, and while we're filling it before we ever start it, make sure that it comes out the top of the block, and then put that hose back on, and then let it run and come to temp, and, and then let it cool off, and then recheck the coolant level. Or you can use what they call a vacuum lift system, where you actually pull a vacuum on the coolant system, and then it'll pull the coolant into the system, and it'll be completely full before you ever start it. All right, so I'm going to suggest this. Uh, 
go over to your bumper-to-bumper certified service center, say, I want a new radiator put in my car, and they'll take care of it all. And when they're, they're done, uh, your coolant will be at the level it's supposed to be instead of you guessing at it. How's that? That's correct. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, let the pros take care of it. They'll take care of it for you. That's what you need to do. All right, we've got time to get another question in. So let me go ahead and get this. Uh, this is from Paul. Got a 2010 Ford F-150 XL 8-cylinder 4.6-liter engine. Talking about swapping uh, two transmissions. He says, I've got a 2010 F-150 4.62-volt with a 4R75E 4-speed transmission that is dead, and I know it. I have a 2006 F-150 5.4 3V with a 4R75E 4-speed transmission, and I'd like to know if I can just swap them out and have everything bolted up, or will there be issues? Thanks. What do you think? Well, I think they'll I think they'll bolt up, but it's a programming thing, and I, I'm I'm probably not uh, the best guy to ask about it. Gary Henry would probably be that guy, but I, I'm going to say that he's going to run into some issues with uh, the plug-ins on it. Pins, connectors working, neutral switch, solenoids, and then a program for it to make it work. What do you think, Doug? I don't think it interchange, Joe, period. There's two different transmissions there. Even though they got the yeah. same number, the 4R75, but the old yeah. 3 was a different shift pattern than the, than the one that he's got in the truck in the 2010. Now, I don't think they're interchanging work. They may both up, like you say. But yeah. I think when he starts plug, plugging it up and starts trying to make everything work, it's not going to work. That's what I got. All right. So I don't have his number handy, but you might want to just call Gary over at uh, the tra- Midwest Transmission and talk Mid- to him. Mid-state. Or Mid-state. Mid-state. That's a Mid-state. Mid-state. Mid-state Transmission, and they'll be happy to, to give and you uh, the information. Yeah, go ahead, Duck. His phone number is 501 501- Three one five nine one zero zero, and he can he can tell you for sure. But I don't think they'll entertain Dave. Okay, there there it is. There's just so many different things you got to take into consideration as far as computers and everything. Just because they got the same number doesn't mean that they work identical. And yeah, you're going to probably run run into issues. So before you spend your money, talk to Gary. All right. Again, that number at. Uh, Mid-state is 501-778-2886. No, that's my number. Oh, you gave your number. Gary's number is is 501-315-9100. Yeah, I get that. It's written at the bottom uh, left corner, and I was looking at the bottom right corner, which is you. All right. Sorry about that. Again, 501-315-9100 is the number. All right, we got to get our final break in, guys. When we come back, uh, I want uh, Duck to finish a story that he started last week. And if you didn't hear it, I'll have him, you know, tell the story again and then what he did, and he got the results back, and he got surprised. We'll talk about it here on uh, the Joe and Duck segment of the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM. The answer, here's your traffic and weather.
All right, we are at the final segment of a Wednesday show, and Joe and Duck are here. We've got 12 minutes remaining, and uh, last week, uh, Duck had been talking about he had a couple of trucks brought in. They had some problems uh, with their uh, fuel injection, and uh, he couldn't figure out why was happening what was happening was happening and so he sent those he sent one of the sets of fuel injectors off to another company who ran some tests for him and the results that came back surprised him so i'll let you pick up the story uh for today duck what happened what did you find out and why are you scratching your head well i sent the injectors arkansas fuel he checked them said they were stopped up wouldn't flow so we go back and pull the fuel sample, send it to rig. Uh, I get the results yesterday. The fuel is clean. It has a little bit of water and a little bit of aluminum in it, but nothing to make it stick. So I'm kind of at an impasse. So I had Tim to go ahead and clean the tank, clean the fuel system, put new injectors in it, and it lit up this morning. I just They just sent me a text that it lit up. And the other one cranked yesterday morning. Uh, he put a set of injectors in it and cleaned the tank, and it lit up. So I really don't know what's in the fuel, and I don't know why I had two trucks from two different places, you know, do it. I don't know. But I hadn't had none since them two come in, so I don't really know where we're going to go from here. We're just going to put it together and let it run and see what happens. Interesting. Goes to show. Sometimes uh, your best laid plans don't turn out exactly the way you wanted them to, but at least you're you're at a position that you're you're trying to fix something from the right angle instead of from the wrong angle. Correct. Well, all you, all I could do, Dave, is just clean everything, make sure everything is good and clean. You know, put I put uh, twenty gallons of new fuel in it. Uh, you know. I was expecting to get something back in the fuel, like death fluid somebody's put in the fuel or something or other, but there was nothing in the fuel. So, you know, I told my customer, I don't really know which way to go from here. And he said, just do what you can do, clean it, give it back to me, and we'll go from there and see what happens. So he said, but I do know I never buy fuel where I bought the last tank full from. So, you know, I, you know, and one of the tanks was about half full, and one of them was three-quarters full when we drained them. Okay, so, so no. where they got their fuel at? Where was it the same place or was it different places? Nope. No, one's in uh, one's one's in Benton where he got his, and the other one's over West Memphis or somewhere where he got his. Wow. I don't remember exactly. Okay, but, so you know, big difference. The guys coming hey, to Tennessee picking his truck up today. Yeah, Joe. Well, I just wanted to jump in here at the end of that and, and say something that uh, you know you've got. Uh, a bumper-to-bumper certified service center. He's got two trucks with the same problem. And Duck is going above and beyond what I would call regular repair shops would do. He's not just trying to fix the truck, because in our world, we live in cause and effect. He wants to figure out what caused it so it doesn't occur again. And he's doing everything he can to do that. So your listeners need to understand that we're not only here just to hang bolts on or put parts on say you're ready to go we want to know what caused it to do that failure to begin with so at least the customer would have the information to where he could avoid it a repeat process 
Or if another customer comes in with the same problem, you've got a different place to start from than you did from this one. Absolutely. Exactly, buddy. Yeah, but there's time moving. and there's money involved in what Duck has done, and he took that on himself to do that. So he's going the extra mile to make sure that he's doing the right thing for his customer. Well, right. I just wanted to make sure he didn't get down the road somewhere and this thing stop up again. And that's one reason I had Tim go ahead and clean the tank, clean the fuel line, you know, put a new fuel filter on it, which I always put a new fuel filter on if it gets injectors. That's just common practice. But, uh, you know, like I told my customer, you know, I don't know what else to do but says clean it, put new injectors in it, and give it back to you. So that's what we're doing. So we'll go from there and see what happens. All right, and then, uh, Joe, you wanted to talk about something to end the show today. We're we're going to go back and talk about this guy that was getting ready to swamp out uh, swap out transmissions. Now, they both had the same uh, number on it for what kind of transmission it was, but you're saying that it goes further beyond just having the same number. Well, it does because... <clears throat> For instance, in, in in today's world, if you if you put in if you change a transmission, you have to go in there and tell it and program it and tell it that you've changed it, and all the programming is done off the VIN number. So if there's a difference in the year model or anything on that one pin different than the plug-in, a different kind of neutral switch, a different kind of solenoid in it from three years before to this date. That programming is not going to work right. That means that transmission is not going to it's not going to shift properly. Uh, even even when you buy, I give you an example. If you go and buy a Ford reman transmission or a GM reman transmission, and you put it in, and it's the same year make and model, and you bought it from them, you have to program the transmissions before they'll ever shift. So it, you can't just pull one out of this car over here and say, well, it's about three years difference, but it'll bolt up and bolt it up over here and it work. Because somebody's got to go in there and tell it you've done that. Yeah, and explain, program it for. Yeah, explain that reprogramming isn't you just go on the Internet and find out what the programming is. You pay for that. You have to buy that programming from that specific manufacturer. Uh, Nissan does it, GM does it, Ford does it, Toyota does it. You change transmissions in it, you got to go in there and tell it you've done it and get that transmission because it's all the programming's done off the VIN number. And you can't go in there and say, well, I got this VIN number, but I got this transmission, so I want to program these where they'll work. That, the the, the software is going to say that's in, it's incompatible. Miscommunications, and it won't let you program it, will it, Doug? No. And same way you buy the Dodge, the R68 Dodge, it comes unprogrammed if you buy a reman, and you have to program it once you get it installed. All right. You and bolt it, it up and put it in there and put it in gear, it ain't never going to shift. It sits still, won't never move. That's exactly right. It don't know what to do. Okay, so what this – te- go, go ahead. Go ahead, Duck. Well – what what we were getting at is you can't take one out of another vehicle that's been programmed for this vehicle with that VIN number and stick it in this one over here and expect that one to communicate with this new vehicle with a new VIN number. It ain't going to happen. No. There's going to have to be some programming done on it for it to work right. So, so <laughs> and, let, and, and 
if if it's not exactly that transmission for that year make and model of car, it ain't going to let you program it. So this is where I come in and I go, this is why I always say, you know, the days of the shade tree mechanic are dead. Uh, I don't have the equipment to reprogram my vehicle. You guys have that equipment. You have to have that equipment. So bottom line is, I think it's better to come on into a bumper-to-bumper certified service center, let you all take care of it, and save me a whole lot of grief. Absolutely. You know, everybody's out to save money, but moving, trying to change this because I got this, if you had two trucks out there, two different motors and transmissions and and you said, hey, there are only three years difference. I can move this over here and put it in there and make it work. The chances of it working are not very good. Just by unbolting it, bolting it on, and, and hooking it up, it's not going to run and perform like it's supposed to. And I, I'll tell everybody hey. on the air, I mean, this is the thing that would drive me crazy. If I could fix it and then it didn't work, well, that means that I couldn't fix it. And the irritation and frustration level would be incredible, and uh, I can avoid all of that, which I'd much rather do, uh, and just bring it to Joe or bring it to Duck or bring it to, you know, any of the other guys, uh, you know, Ryan or any of the other guys that are bumper-to-bumper certified service centers and let them take care of it. Yeah, I got a little story. Have we got just about 30 seconds? Oh, yeah. You got a minute. Okay. I had a professional engine installer send me a little four-cylinder Nissan vehicle, okay? His problem was he put the same year model of motor in it. All the engine would do, it would start. When it started, it would run for about 30 seconds and then die. Had multiple problems with it, all right? Yeah. And what we found was wrong with it, and this was a professional engine installer, for, for a salvage company, okay, that does them every day. Probably done the same thing on the same year-making model vehicle for the past 10 years. On this particular one, he sent it to us. He said, I can't make it run right. I don't know what's wrong with it. I'm at wit's end. Well, it took me and my one of my ATEX about two days to figure it out, where he simply, the wiring harness, you could flip it from one side to the other. All the injectors were backwards, but the wires would plug up. But once that engine started, that PCM knew that's the wrong injector firing, so it shut it off. It shut the uh, the pulse sequence off to the injectors all of it. We simply pulled the intake off, flipped the wires over, plugged them all back up, put the intake back on it, and it fired up and run. Now it's a simple fix. It just wasn't. It was just a twelve-hour hunt to find it. Gotcha. Yeah, five That's an example of us as professionals struggling with some of this stuff, okay? All right, you you get the final word here, Duck. You got 10 seconds. There you go, Dave. It takes 12 hours to find it and five minutes to repair it. All right. Thanks for being on today, Duck. Thank you. Joe, thank you. I'll be in contact yes, with sir. you guys, but we'll be in the studio next Wednesday, all right? Thank you, Dave. All right, buddy. See you then. Have a great day. All right, it's the Dave Ellswick Show. we got another show for you tomorrow. It gets underway at 6 a.m. Got some special guests I'll tell you about and be listening throughout the day.